Hey everyone, welcome to the Home Team Podcast. Steve Carter here. And today we begin a conversation about COVID-19 and what this means for us, what this means for sports. And man, this has just been absolutely heavy, Um, heavy for all of us. And so Sam's going to take it from here and kind of lead our conversation out of the gate. All right, so we are back with another episode of the Home Team Podcast. And it's an interesting week, interesting setup. So we are all in Phoenix, but we are all at different locations. Sam, you want to talk talk us through why? I think everybody knows. Everybody has to talk us through. Uh, it's coronavirus is, is affecting everyone. Okay, hold and up. So- Let's be honest, though. <laughs> Sam, Sam, and maybe even Steve are both like, all right, we'll come back to your closet. I was like, don't come near my closet, fools. <laughs> okay. Don't, hey, y'all don't throw me into that. Don't throw me into that. I am not getting that. the Rona in, in hey. the name of this podcast. Hey, people <laughs> Sam's might, people been traveling. Pop- Steve's all over the world. No, thank you. I'm going to pass. No, it was crazy because, so like, Steve, you were supposed to come to Chicago. I was, You were supposed yeah. to come to Chicago on maybe Saturday or Sunday or so. Me and you were going to be together and then record, you know, dial Sam in. And then Chicago got shut down. And so you could no longer come. And I was like, nah, nobody's stopping me. So I booked a flight. <laughs> we, my wife, my kids, like we took the first flight out. We figured be less people at the airport. It was a, it was like a wasteland. Nobody was there. And we came to Phoenix. We tried to kind of, I had my hood on. So nobody would see me. Uh, and, and then we got here. And then I, I took a selfie and sent it to Steve and Sam. And Sam freaked, Sam, you freaked out. You're like, what is going I on? I was just very, I was very confused. Okay. Sam, for everybody who doesn't know, Sam is a bit of a hater. Okay. So yeah. as, as loving and kind as Sam Ancho is, every time I told him, why, why wouldn't you want to live in Phoenix? He's like, I like it warm. My life, my wife likes it warm. The kids need to play. We're stuck inside. I'm like, huh, I know a place where you're children could enjoy their childhood imagine that and so when you sent that picture I was like is this one of those times as a friend a loving friend that you say I told you so I'm right what do you owe me or do you just like keep it cool and say huh what's going on Sam no you 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 take full credit because you and I called this and you just (laughs) march around the house screaming vindicated vindicated we called this Acho. No, the Lord weeks. spoke to me. God, it wasn't y'all. It wasn't y'all. God I mean, he spoke. Uses I, people, I was, but it's fine. <laughs> oh my gosh! All I know is that I'm here, and I'm glad to be here. And all I know is this: I, I straight up, I'm no joke. I was kind of just doing my quiet time, and just not even quiet time. It was after the last podcast, and I almost got stranded in Phoenix. I guess two podcasts ago, I did get stranded. My flight got canceled. I was supposed to get back home to see the family. I didn't. I ended up staying at a hotel. And uh, just resting and chilling. And I just had some real quiet time. And then these voices, annoying voices, Sam and Steve, in my head were oh. like, come to Phoenix. <laughs> I was come like, to tell Phoenix. us more like, about these voices, like, Sam. Nah, it's man, a different these are podcast. Different, these are different kind of voices, man. They were like, you got to come to Phoenix. It's going to be great. Your kids, yada, yada, yada. And I couldn't get out of my head. And so finally, I'm here. And we are together, but we're not because this virus is trying to hate on us. And it will not. I refuse. I refuse. I refuse. Yes, I am washing my hands. Yes, I got on a flight. I wasn't supposed to. Governor Pritzker from Illinois, I'm sorry, but I had, I had to be here. I had to be here. Okay, but be honest, you guys, because I'm very curious, especially, 
I feel like sometimes when you work in an industry, like we all work in different but somewhat similar industries, you start thinking, and maybe this is just me, like, okay, that those are kind of the rules, but I don't really know about, like you just develop this skepticism about like rules for masses. Um, and maybe that's wrong to say, but in the beginning I was like, okay, they're saying that everybody needs, and then something shifted for me. And maybe it's because we live in New York most of the year. And I started seeing through the experiences of our friends who are still there, um, that it's like apocalyptic end times sort of feeling. Um, and watching Governor Cuomo's press conferences every morning, as as great as he's been, has been um, very eye-opening. So there was a shift for me from, eh, this feels like it might be bad, but is it just the flu sort of thing to, hold on, is the world ending? Yeah, I, I, I found myself on, on a phone call with uh, some doctors in Texas um, who were basically running like this incident command post and they were talking about the difference um between the the normal flu and COVID-19 and they were talking about the importance of flattening the curve and and protecting the surge of people getting into the hospitals and you know how we just literally had to be responsible and then I was like yeah 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 and then they said because of the spreadable factor and they started talking about that, and I it all made sense why the NBA shut down, why the NCAA shut down, like just in the canceling of these seasons, because it's like three times, like the normal flu, they say, uh, you'll pass it to like 1.2 people, but with uh, COVID-19, they're saying high twos, low threes. So that means like the spreadable factor is that you will spread it to at least three people, who then will spread it to at least three people and at least three people. And all of a sudden I realized like, oh my goodness, this, now you can see the Italy's and what's happening in Iran and France um, and in China and now in like a city like New York. And then when you look at like Times Square and it's a wasteland and you're like, what is going on? I mean, so yeah, it's it, it hit me a couple of weeks ago where I was like, this is bigger than I want to give it credit for. Yeah, we've been self-quarantined for the last, I think this is day 13 now. Um, and for Does me- Does that mean we can it, hang out tomorrow? 14 days, right? Come on, <laughs> let's put this No, in, no, right? no. We're, just... we're on the, when, I think it was Trump that threw out the July, August thing a few days ago. I was like, excuse me, what? <laughs> July, August. I knew it was serious, and maybe this is cynical of me, but I knew it was really serious when they shut down March Madness because, and the NBA and all these big events, because what we, I mean, again, this is a cynical take, but over the years of working in this industry, it's like at the end of the day, money controls everything, right? Like they're going to do whatever. It doesn't matter if it's a college sport or a pro sport. There, there are so many dollars involved in this kind of stuff and especially with tv money and contracts i mean you think about cbs when they've got golf and march madness are their two big things during this time of year and those are both just gone um i was talking to people the other day within the the sports entertainment industry and they're on the cusp of layoffs and just i mean crazy stuff in a week 
Like it just happened like that. And once I realized they were willing to lose that much money, I I realized what Governor Cuomo and other people have been saying recently, that this is no longer about finances or the economy. This is literally just about the value of a human life. Yeah, it got real for me. I think oftentimes in the in the professional athlete realm, it seems like a lot of things in the outside world don't affect us. So, I mean, look at the, the people who are talking about a recession. What's well, a bunch of guys signing contracts right now? So recession, I was like, I'm good. You know what I mean? Like people talk about that. People talk about um, stuff on the news or politics. It's like we have our own sanctuary in our own arena. But this was different. And I realized it when obviously NBA shut down, MLB shut down, soccer shut down, hockey, everything shut down. And I was like, okay, that's kind of a big deal. But stuff was still open. Then obviously you see different states put in these shelter-in-place orders. And I said, all right, cool, but there's you could still get around it, right? You could still get around it. I'm gonna go like I was working out in Chicago with my trainer, and it's like I, we'll go to a park, we'll be fine, we'll keep our six feet. We were doing it. Then all of a sudden it was like, nah, y'all gotta shut down. And so it was like, okay, um, this is serious, this is real. And then I for me, I it became real um, when obviously you have young kids, and the statistics say that kids aren't you know, it's not fatal. It's not going to be fatal for kids. But then you think about how they could spread it to whether it's grandparents or older people. So I, you start hearing coughs and stuff. I started hearing that from my kids. And I'm like, okay, like, hopefully you're not sick, number one. Even if you are, by the grace of God, you're going to be fine. But what happens if we are moving around, let's say you're going to a store or whatever, and there's an elderly person in the vicinity, now you spread it to them. I was at a Costco a couple of days ago. And apparently, so this Costco, it's, it was in, in the Arizona area. It opens at 10 a.m., but people are running out of toilet paper and, and water. And so they opened it up for at 9. But there was a line that opened up at 8 for anyone over 60. And if you're under 60, you could wait in a different line um, that people apparently had been waiting in, even the 60-year-olds, since 4 a.m. for these, these items. And so for me, it became real when I got to that line and not only did I see that line was like probably like at least a half a mile long. And I saw people finally starting to get in and come out and the joy on their faces. It reminded me of the times I go to Nigeria when it's like people, because we do medical mission trip with my family. And so people are hoping to get medicine. You see thousands of people outside praying to get to see a doctor to get medicine. And when they get it, they have this joy, but you almost see the jealousy from others. I remember seeing this, this guy in a, a, not only jealousy, but you also see a little bit of the it's almost like an emotional fatigue as well as this sense of angst amongst people. There was this guy who came in and I was, I was already waiting for like an hour. And this guy was probably 35, 40 years old. And he was a doctor. He had on his scrubs and everything. And the, the, the store wasn't open yet to anybody under 60. You could see like his, how tense his face was trying to go in and get whether it was toilet paper or paper towels or whatever. And, he, and they wouldn't let him in. And so I was like, oh, no, this, this right here, this is real. I think that's the the fascinating thing because you know um, when it comes to diseases, you know, oftentimes it can in third world countries really uh, hit um, the poor, but this is like hitting and affecting everyone. And the crazy part is, I mean, Sam, you're you're an, you're an NFL player. When when have you ever had to wait? You know what I mean? Like you usually can like walk in and get your table if you want. You know what I mean? Like, and now a doctor, you have to wait in line. Like this is affecting, it is like leveled the playing field. Um, and I think in some ways it's, 
it's both uh, a reality that we're in this all together. And I feel like there's like this uniqueness of, oh my goodness, it doesn't matter how much money you have. This is still so fragile. It doesn't matter how much influence you have. This is still so fragile. Um, it doesn't matter if you, you know, live in some of the greatest cities in the world. It's still so fragile. And so I, I don't know. I feel like there's been this kind of profound, I mean, like even um, Amy, and I'm going to butcher her last name, uh, uh, Klo- Klovich or whatever who, who Klobuchar, re- Klobuchar yeah. yeah thank you she, who's you know running for uh, president up until a couple weeks ago her husband has it you know and you're like her husband you know and so it's just in that I just go man this is this is just something that I think is so so uh, open to all of us which is scary it's a great equalizer right like yeah. the, it's something that I've been working through because it's it's also not only does it kind of put us all on the same playing field but we all also have tons of time all of a sudden so it's not like something where okay we're all kind of in the same boat but everybody's super busy and things are so crazy so you can't really process we have a lot of time some of us for the first time in years to process our own lives and that's something that I've been working through recently it's like your identity in so many ways is if not taken away it's threatened right? Like if your identity is even remotely in your work or in your um, uh, relationships and friendships or your ability to, so this is just a personal story because I think it's kind of funny and how pathetic it is. Um, I hadn't bought a car in a really long time and I bought a car uh, two weeks ago. So like right before all this happened. And to be honest, all I've had for a while in Phoenix is this old 56 truck that like barely runs and I mean literally barely runs no AC no heat or anything and I was like you know what I'm gonna treat myself so I get this really nice car that was too nice like I shouldn't have I probably shouldn't have gotten it although I really do like it (laughs) we might need a sponsor get you know give us a name we might need a sponsor man come on we're about 0 for 5 right now but the the best thing about it was I drove that car home and there was probably a little bit in me that was like puffing up a little bit like, wow, hey, I'm going to go to my my typical Walmart trip. It's going to feel a little bit different this week. And uh, and then the next day, everything got shut down. <laughs> it was like, where are you going home, girl? <laughs> like, like, I'm not around town. Like, sh- And what I realized is, what was it in me? Wow. That that even desired that, you know, when I bought the car, I wasn't like thinking about that. Like, wow, I can't wait to go out and show people my car. Like there was no thought in my mind that, that processed that. But then when it was stripped away and it was like, well, you're not taking your car anywhere. Um, and you're not even going to wear real pants for weeks. (laughs) Um, it made me start questioning and thinking through like, why do I buy the things I buy? Why do I, I focus on the things I focus on? It just started stripping away things in a way that I think is actually super healthy. It's scary. Um, and it gives you that like angsty feeling, if you will. And I think for a lot of us who either have money in the stock market or who have jobs who depend on this all going well, I mean, um, 
Steve, I guess people are always going to need salvation, so you should be good. But Sam and I kind of need football to go. <laughs> um, and so there is this threatening to, I at least personally, I'll say for me, parts of my identity that were attached to external things that maybe I didn't even realize. Yes. I, and I so resonate with that. I mean, because like overnight, we basically, our house turned into a homeschool. Uh, it turned into kind of uh, uh, hiding in one room where we could do podcasts and where I could film sermons, where I could do Zoom calls. And so it's like an office, a homeschool. Like now when you thought you had time, like my wife is like doing so much. I mean, it it's – and then there's like this amazing gift when work is like done and I'm not able to travel – it's like, hey, let's just hang out and family game times and like playing in the backyard or, you know, going on a hike. Um, and all of a sudden I'm thinking to myself, this is both so fragile and so scary. And yet what a gift, because there's no way any of us or at least myself would have chosen to slow down. And it was like, God was like, slow down. And, and then I think, in that, I get a little like stir crazy. I get a little only child-ish, like where I'm like, I need my space. Like, what am I gonna do? And then you start thinking, okay, well, how am I gonna how am I gonna numb out? You know, um, I can't travel. I can't go anywhere. Like, wh what am I gonna do? I can't go buy concerts or like games to go. Like, wh what? And all of a sudden, it just starts, like you said, Sam, stripping away at some of these little unhealthy patterns or these little pieces that maybe we were attached to that we were unaware of it. And it just allows you to kind of embrace the present um, in a way that I don't know if I would have been able to without COVID-19. Yeah, it's almost as if, <laughs> so I just remember being in Chicago and it was almost, the shutdown started little by little. First it was, you know, you hear from the president, 100 people, then 50 people. Now it's ten, no more than 10 people in a room. And I mean, every day things change. And then it was, um, then it finally got down to only the essential, essential things were open. So for example, like uh, if you're a gym, you're getting closed down. If you're, no matter what job you have, unless you're a doctor or a nurse, or you work at a grocery store, um, you're getting closed down. And so I think for for me and for I think a majority of the world, not only the United States, the world, it's like not only does the world go down to the essentials, but like you go down to your essentials and what's important. And it's like all you have, I mean, for me, it's like my family, like relationships. I I, I just wonder people who don't have loved ones in their lives, who who go to whether it's bars or clubs or whatever, that's where I go to get my um, to get my escape. Like what do those people do? It's like you think about like why God gave Adam Eve. I think about that. I think about even God himself, the Trinity, God the Father, God the Son, and God the Spirit, like this community. You think about the importance of community, but it's like, man, what? how do you get community when you can no longer have community? Like for me, it's almost been this feeling, like this whole six-foot thing, because um, I'm a hugger. I got need, Sometimes I just need a hug. <laughs> you, know what I mean? I'm just, you know what I mean? And, and this whole six-foot thing, I'm like, man, this is really disturbing because it really is. Because it's like, dude, I'm not going to hurt you, but it's like, stay away, stay far away, you know? And 
I personally, I actually love that. (laughs) I, I, people get way too touchy and I'm like, you know what, you know, the awkwardness, the discomfort when you go up to someone and either you're an acquaintance or, and I guess Sam, you're probably the guy that just always goes for the hug, but I'm like, are we doing handshake here? Are we doing hug? And I feel really sweaty. And can you please just not touch me? Can we just like salute from a distance or like maybe just give a little, uh, maybe a high five if that, so that, that part of this, I actually don't mind at all. Sorry, I just had to get that off my chest. I hate it. I hate it, Sam, because I'm like, hey, I'm not like, it's just this thing of like, I mean, even I go back to the grocery store. It's like people use their shopping carts as this like, you know, di- keep my distance from you. And and I get it. And I get it. I get it. Even though I don't, because some of the doctors have said it's no longer, you, you got, you know, being with someone for 10 minutes in the same area or whatever. But anyway, why are you trying to touch everybody, Sam? <laughs> I'm not I just I just don't. It's just like, bro, I'm not gonna hurt you. We can I can walk by you. You don't have to like move away, move very move far away. But anyways, just seeing that, it's almost like this thing of like, man, like social distancing, you don't I guess you never I never realized the importance of like the social fabric that you have, whether yeah. it's in your family or at your job. Or your interactions with people on a day-to-day basis. Like, I never realized how important that was to me. And now that it's gone, it's almost like everyone has to transition to a new normal. Not only in within your social interactions, but also, you talked about it, Steve. Like, now we're teachers. We're teaching our kids. And now we're also trying to figure out work and how to still, um, still be effective and productive while we're at home. But then also the third piece is we will never get, like, we may never get this time back. I was talking to a friend. They're like, man, like two weeks off or four weeks off or six weeks off of work. I may never get this back. I'm going to maximize it. So it's like it's like everybody has to make a huge shift into, into some, almost like this unknown and uncharted territory. Like, Sam, you, I mean, you moved here to, to Phoenix for a number, you know, for the off season, um, but you have no gym. Like, you're a, you're a player. Like, do you have to go, like, go buy weights? Like in like workout at what? home, like what? What's what, like? No, he's on that Herschel Walker, <laughs> just doing push-ups and sit-ups right in the hey, living room, hills. using his kids. Walter Payton running hills. No, I'm so serious. <laughs> so like the last the last three days, I've spent um, going to different gyms or places to try and find equipment, and everything is sold out. Everything. So and I and I'm I, like I'm a guy who's like, hey, during season I'm a grind, I'm a train. Off season I'm chilling. Like I'm hanging out with my, if I'm traveling, I'm chilling. But if I'm, when I grind, I grind. And so for me to go and have to find, find weights or buy weights, that's never really been my thing. Everything has been sold out. And so um, by the grace of God, the guy who was training me, he actually let me borrow some weights and borrow all this equipment. I bought a I bought like a bench and I'm like, dude, I'm actually like a real football player. This is crazy. I bought like, <laughs> buying this stuff. I'm like, I didn't realize that, you know what I mean? But anyway, so, and I'm going to be in the backyard of this Airbnb and tra- I mean, that's what I've been doing so far. I've been like just training, using the kids as weights at times, which sometimes you got to do, and uh, or using bands or whatever to try and stay in shape because sooner or later, it, we're going to come out of this and and you you you, you got to come out better. You want to come out better. In my opinion, like the only way we win is coming out better than before, whether physically, spiritually, emotionally, you got to come out better better than before. Yeah, I like what you're saying about even going back to the basics in, in lifting and in preparing and because when you mentioned um 
the, I think you said something about the essentials, like getting down to the essentials, like the essential jobs, right? The people who are actually needed in society. I feel like I've been doing that personally over this last week. Like even when I think about planning out my day, like what are the things that are going to keep me sane? Like what are the things that I was created for? Like, okay, I know every day I need to read something. Every day I need to listen to some music. Every day I need a little bit of time alone. Every day I need to get outside. Every day I need to move my body. I need to eat healthy, like literally getting back to the essentials of what we were created for. Like I need to connect with another human every day, whether it's on FaceTime or whatever, you know, I need to serve someone in some way every day. I just think in so many ways. And again, this isn't to to say that this isn't a difficult time on a variety of fronts. I mean, shoot, I'm in the middle of contract negotiations. So if you think there's a bad time for contract negotiations, this would be it. <laughs> when the company's just bleeding money, you know, like that, not, not the best. So I'm not saying that, uh, that this is all, you know, happy times and oh, everybody just gets a little break. But I do think in some ways it's stripped away the distractions because you're not just like going through the motions right now because there are no motions. There's no muscle memory of this. You know, literally no one on earth has been through this scenario before in this exact way. So um, that, but that's also reassuring is knowing that we are literally all in this together. But is that reassuring though? Is it? I mean, and and I, I mean, because for me, it's like when I hear we're all in this together. I'm, it's not real. It's it's more scary than anything. How so? It really is because it's like because I, I want a guide. I want somebody who's done it before, who can walk me through, give me the ten steps on how to execute and get through this this process, whether it's being quarantined or like teach me what to do and show me what to do. And so like the fact that it's affecting everybody doesn't that for me, that doesn't really bring me comfort. Like for me, like what, what helped me a little bit was, so it actually, when I got released, when I was released a couple months ago in, in Buffalo and I didn't know if I was going to play again, I had a couple injuries. It was like, you're, I turned 30 and everyone's like, you're old. And I'm like, guys, I'm, <laughs> I'm come on, you know? And so like, I actually was me my wife and the kids were in a hotel in Buffalo. We thought it was going to be two weeks. And we ended up be because usually you know, a couple teams were like, "Hey, we're gonna sign you. Stay ready. Stay in shape." And I was, and that two weeks turned into two months of me just being by myself at this hotel in the middle of nowhere, um, in Orchard, I thought Orchard Park, I think. But and that was actually a really good time for me, like because it, it, once again everything was stripped away. There was no longer I was no longer this big bad football player. Like I'd I'd been released by the Bills, so people who saw me they're like, "Do you play for the Bills?" I'm like, "Yeah, I kind of. I used to. Maybe <laughs> not anymore." You know. And it was like you saw so just a guy. I was just a guy with with no job. Didn't know what my future held. I honestly felt like God was even like moving me out of football to something new, and so I was a little bit confused. And so like for me that experienced. That experience helped prepare me for this, but the fact to say that we're all in it together, that doesn't bring me comfort. That, that almost is a little bit scary. It's like, man, like nobody knows what to do. It's interesting because I hear that, Sam, and I keep thinking, man, like uh, how much it, like we literally need each other, you know, like, and almost like I need like the very best of each other. And when Ponder's talking about like those essentials, you know, like the the desert mothers and fathers, they they called that a rule of life. And it was literally like, hey, here are like the six or seven practices that we are committed to. 
And if we, if we literally like live into these practices, we're going to bear the best kind of fruit. And, and I've just been thinking about that because the first week when, on this like shutdown, um, it was more like the COVID-15 because I just gained 15 <laughs> pounds just like eating. I was like, oh my goodness, I don't know what to do with my life. I, I like I, it just it, 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 it total was escapism. And then it got to this point, like just, you know, as, as you and Ponder were saying, like, OK, what what it, what do I need to be? healthy. And I almost had to create like this rule or those essentials to kind of say, yeah, I got to, I got to at least go on a hike and I got to write and I got to, I got to spend time in the word. And I just began to make this list that, uh, just allowed me to offer my very best to, um, my neighbors in the most social distant way, you know, but, um, it's, it's, it's this, it's this weird spot because you're right. None of us have ever been through this before. This is so unique. And yet like, I look at next door to us, our our neighbors and they're older and, you know, my, my wife's picked up toilet paper for them, you know, and, uh, she's been like just mastering the next door app, which is like the craziest, uh, it really is crazy though. It's you see, crazy. if you want to know how crazy people are, go. <laughs> oh, you, you, you literally, you literally should what follow on Twitter. App? I don't, what, is, what is, should, tell me, I don't, I've never heard of it. It's called next door app. And like your neighborhood like comes around and like talks about all the things that are in your neighborhood. I like, mean, literally all you, the things. Yeah. Are you, did you guys see the Havelina? There was police sirens. Like what's going on? Like, it's just, it's crazy. Right. And there's literally like the most on Twitter, like someone's written like, uh, the funniest next door apps and they just show pictures of these posts and they are hilarious, but we just lost the sponsor. But what I would say, <laughs> is, if y'all sponsor us, I, I will sign up. I'll tell my friends. I'll sell my team, whatever y'all need next door. We're available. Stars but, and bucks. We're still waiting for you to bucks. call us. Back. What, what, I, what I would say though, is what's been so beautiful has been seeing how people have been like communicating not just bizarro random opinions and agendas and news but like literally hey what do you need can can i can i help it's been more uh driven by solidarity than like agenda or political kind of positioning or stances which i think is really beautiful it's totally weeded out all the the random crap we don't actually <laughs> care about and yeah, yes. you notice on twitter it's like we spend half of our lives on twitter arguing and complaining about stuff that we don't actually care about <laughs> like we're all yes. offended and outraged about all these different issues and then pe- they're threatening that football i mean shoot we're not going to go to otas hold up like, let's all come together. <laughs> so that's what I keep saying. I'm like, if they want, especially young people and people in the South and in the Midwest to really take this social distancing thing seriously, Donald Trump needs to get up there tomorrow morning and be like, people, do you realize football may not happen? <laughs> like, yeah. yeah. Well, Louis, Louisiana, Louisiana hired Ed Ogeron yeah. because they're like, yeah. he's he's the only one that people are going to listen to. And Ed was like, you know, but he was like telling people, get off the beach, stay home if you want LSU football. And I think Louisiana was like, oh All my right goodness, then. this <laughs> is crazy. <laughs> exactly. Let's come together. Yes. Wait, wait, but but think about this. Like, ter- like, Sam, you're on the executive committee of the CBA. I don't even know what you're able to talk about. And then Ponder, you probably have an inside scoop of like from NFL, ESPN. 
I'm just a preacher, so I know nobody. Um, but like, you know Jesus, uh, <laughs> the uh, ultimate Trump, and card. so can you. Uh, but uh, <laughs> yes, but uh, but, uh, Drop the mic. but like, I I keep thinking about this, and I go, gosh, like, what does this really mean for large gatherings, whether churches or you know um, football stadiums? Like, what what do you what do you guys? seeing, hearing, thinking, feeling like, are we going to have a football season? But even before, and I, I want to answer that, but before we get to that, like, and this has kind of been on my heart, like, what does this mean for like the everyday person? What does this mean for the small business owner? I think about the guy who was training me. He owns a small gym that is just getting by. They have about three months uh, in savings and now their gym is shut down. Or what does that? What does this mean for you know one of my buddies? He does construction here in Phoenix, and his workers need this work. If they don't have this work, they don't they can't pay the bills. Like what does this mean for like I? Because I can feel like you go to the store and you feel the anxiety. Like you could yeah. cut through it with a knife. Like what does this mean for everybody? Like I, I mean. Sam, help us. <laughs> no, that's the problem is nobody really knows. And I think that's been the hard thing about following the news and trying to listen to the facts that we do have is, and I'm not, I'm not blaming them for this. There's just no, because there's so much unknown and so much unfamiliarity with this whole thing, it, it, it feels almost impossible to like put a date on anything, which almost makes the, the well, no, it definitely makes the anxiety and the angst and the uncertainty so much greater and the stress because it's not like you can be like, okay, we're all going to be home for two more weeks. Cause I think a lot of small businesses, obviously it still wouldn't be ideal, but if they knew, Hey, in three weeks, we're back in action. You can get into emergency funds. You can take out loans. You can, there are things that a lot of these companies could do. I think it's this long-term uncertainty that now has everybody freaked out because for friends of mine that own salons and things that are are dependent on people being out and about and you know who's getting their hair done right now? Like where are you going? <laughs> like there are very basic things like that that before you would have thought of if you started a salon. Nobody is thinking, well, you're not going to have clients. Like people are always going to be needing a haircut or needing, you know, these basic services. But what we're realizing in this scenario is even things that we maybe thought were essential aren't actually essential. And so all these people who created businesses based off of this now are thinking, what in the world am I supposed to do? And we we know people already who have started laying people off. I mean, it's the whole thing is horrible in so many ways. And that's why I want to make sure like I'm not making light of it. Obviously there are some positive things that are coming out of it. And I think that's what I've been trying to focus on just because you can get down that spiral, right? That like life will never be the same and it won't. But once you, once you let yourself go down that spiral of negativity, I think that can get dark. And I also am concerned about people's mental health during this time of isolation and you know, being trapped in your thoughts. But Sam, to answer your question, I, I don't think anybody has an answer to that question. I think that's the hardest thing about it is outside of, of telling people like we need to come together and help each other out. I don't know. And I think that's what everyone, I mean, even haven't you watched the press conferences? Like even the people in charge, the, the these genius, like scientists, research doctors, all this stuff, they're like, look, we don't know. 
So if they don't know, shoot, I don't know either. We need to get Dr. Fauci on our uh, on our <laughs> podcast. He's the, he the only one that knows what you, No, but, but I mean, but seriously, it's like, it's like, what, like, what do you tell someone? Like, what do you tell someone? I, I, I you know, Steve, I, what would you say? Well, I mean, I think that there's going to be a, a moment that, uh, you know, even today, I think, um, you know, just breaks my heart, like 200 people in the U.S. alone died to COVID-19. To 200 is the most, and and people are saying this hasn't even really tipped if we are on scale with Italy. And that's probably, people are saying, somewhere between uh, kind of like 10 days out, you know, and which is only going to push a bigger surge on our hospitals. If you can contain this, if you can like flatten the curve, you know, there is going to be a point three months down the road where they're going to have to start opening things up. And this is what you're finding right now when it comes to the economy. Like there's people saying like, you know, uh, we should open it up right now and like bring everyone back. There's got to be a tiered system. And this is what economists are talking about right now, that they're going to slowly but surely like open up more things. But I'll tell you, the last things that are going to open up are the large gathering spaces which is going to affect mega churches, which is going to affect concerts, which is going to affect large sporting events. That's going to be the last thing that they can open up. So there's going to be a lot, I think, those small business owners and opportunity, like, I think they're going to open those things up before they're going to put a whole grip of people in the well, same place. Well, and it's place. not like so, you can just throw together a football game. Like, these guys, obviously, exactly. Sam, I don't have to tell you, like, it's not like they can just go out there and play. Like, there's got to be some sort of training camp. Like, that. that's what they're talking about with basketball, too, and with baseball. You can't just, like, throw them back out there, and all the more with football because of the physical grind that it is. Like, if this thing opens up in the next three months, like, we're talking, and I've talked to people just behind the scenes who have already said – that, um, you know, leagues are looking for facilities for the spring so that if everything gets pushed back, they're trying to figure out how, how are we going to be able to play these games with everything. Like, the whole landscape, which changes a million different things. I mean, there are so many dominoes that fall from this kind of stuff that, I, in a way, I think it's almost a gift. Like, the uncertainty is terrible in some ways, but it's also – I've thought about this in my own life before. Like, if I actually knew what was coming, like, would I be able to cope? <laughs> Probably not. <laughs> um, so sometimes maybe some of the unknown is actually good. Well, even with Korea, South Korea, they're playing baseball right now but there's no fans and they're all wearing the masks, you know? So there, it's like- You did like I the just, Bane face. No one knew who I was until I put no, on the mask. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> just wanted you to know what it looks like. <laughs> but like, I, I, I just keep thinking about that. Like, uh, can you imagine, you know, Tom Brady suited up for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers uh, versus well, no, I couldn't imagine that alone. Yeah, so. yeah, yeah. <laughs> versus the the Las Vegas Raiders, and really, it's like just twenty some people on a field with some noise being pumped through the speakers. <laughs> like it's it's, and then everyone's tuning in. But it's it's yeah, it's just going to be so different. Yeah, even if they even if Steve, you mentioned the last things they'll open up are big gatherings, churches, whether it's churches or sporting events. Even if they're open, people – two things. Number one, I am a player, but if I was a fan, I would be reluctant to want to go to these games 
just because I'm like, man, what if there's still, what if one of these 50,000, 80,000, or if I'm in Jerry's world, 100,000 people still has the virus? You know what I mean? Like, I feel like, you know, that that's one thing that's going through my mind. And then another thing, another thing that's going through my mind is just like the whole idea of um, if if there's nobody in the stands, I doubt that football really is going to be played. Because think about it, like I've taught, you know, you're in meetings with Jerry Jones, some of these guys, it's like part of what part of what draws the crowd, not only in the, in the, in the games, but people, people watching on TV, is you see a full pack stadium, you see the cheerleaders, you see the, mega, the, the scoreboard, you've got the, the everybody, everything going on. If that's not happening, I mean, think about the revenue dollars that are going to be decreased come, come football season. And so, I mean, some of the conversations, I mean, even look at the draft currently as we speak. So Goodell has said, hey, that as of today, and this could change tomorrow with COVID, but he has said the draft is not, we're not changing the dates on the draft. It's still going to stick April 23rd to 25th. Well, general managers are pretty upset about that because usually they're in there, they call it their war rooms all together, checking out guys. Even beforehand, they're doing physicals on guys. They're calling. They can't do that anymore. And so general managers are currently upset. But once again, Goodell's like, I got to keep this show going it cannot stop like the 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 ship has set sail and 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 Sam you touched on it earlier but it's like the NFL starting to almost not shut down but slow down they've closed all NFL offices not only every single team but the head NFL office in New York is now shut down closed and so there's a lot of talk there's probably not going to be OTAs which is April May and a little bit of June right the talk has been you don't don't expect anything prior prior to June 1 and so obviously people are saying, hopefully there's a football season, maybe there's a football season, but even if there is a football season, are fans going to, are fans really going to come? And then also think about it. My pockets are a lot lighter after this, right? People talk about recession, whatever. I don't have all this extra income to go to watch games and whatever. So number one, even if I'm a fan, I'm probably not going to want to go to the game because of the COVID-19. And also number two, even if I, even if I would want to go to the game, my, have you seen my, uh, have you seen the uh, stock market? Have you seen the recession yeah, going on that. depression? You know what I'm saying? Like that'll get somebody depressed looking at their bank account. You know what I mean? So now you want me to have all this excess income and go to a football game? And no, I'll pass. I need to I need to stock up my my wallet real quick. Yeah. The fear factor is huge because all of these leagues rely heavily on like this is this is the escape. Going to a game, taking your family, like this is entertainment and fun. There's literally no fear attached to it. Like this is where people go to let loose and just enjoy themselves. Now you attach the fear factor and the uncertainty and the, I don't know what's going to happen and I can't just relax because I'm worried about all these other people. It completely changes the landscape. And look, the the reassuring thing, if you will, is that all this happened, I mean, obviously, there were people who who saw some of this coming and there were some people warning people, but for, for us, for the masses, all of this happened like that, you know, like two weeks, all of a sudden, everybody's lives are shut down. So the thing for me that gives me some hope is like, then maybe things can shift back quickly too. I'm not saying like this month, but people have, we have short memories in a lot of ways. You know, I heard... Uh, Governor Cuomo talking about how after 9-11, everyone was like, New York is, no one's ever going to want to live here. No, like New York is ruined, you know, and we've lived in New York for the past four years. Like New York was most definitely not ruined. Like it came back stronger. There's such a sense of, of community there. There was a lot of good, obviously there was, uh, tons of sadness and despair and it was horrific, but over time, um, 
everybody came back together. So I, I am hopeful that once we know more about this, and especially if they're able to get a vaccine, I mean, that's the big game changer, right? Because that takes away the fear factor. There are plenty of things that are scary out there that we still go do, whether it's driving a car or risking some other virus or infection. It's because we have protections in some ways. So once we get that on this, which it at least sounds like, you know, obviously the best and the brightest are working on this, then I hope things could change quickly and we could get back to some of that kind of stuff. But my question that I'm asking myself and my close friends through this time and my family is just like, all right, who do you want to be on the other side of this? You know, like you, you may not have as much money. You may have, you know, experienced some real loss in a lot of ways, but who, like, what kind of person do you want to be on the other side? Do I want to be this, like, fearful, um, I don't know about you guys, but for me, it would be really easy to just slip into that at any moment, all things could go bad, you know, because of the way this went down that um, I just want to hold on to to hope in whatever way I can. If it's small hopes like wanting the NFL to play, like, yeah, that's a seemingly little thing, but it's like it's a big part of our lives. So I, I don't want to minimize that kind of stuff either. Yeah, it just reminds me of the whole idea. And this is, Sam, almost in a little bit of response to what you said. Um, it may not sound like it at the beginning, but the idea of that tomorrow is not promised. You know, the Bible talks about, I think it was, it was a Jesus telling a parable that says, you know, don't go say, saying today I'll do this and tomorrow I'll do that. You don't know your life could be taken from you tomorrow. I think about how we started this podcast with Kobe uh, dying. That was like our first episode. And we talked about loss and suffering and how you don't know what to expect. And, and then now we're here. Now we're here where a week ago, two weeks ago, everyone, everything was fine. And now all of a sudden everything is shut down. Things are not fine. Tomorrow is not promised. So it goes to the question of what do you hold on to? Or, or Sam, the way you put it, who do you want to be? Like for me, I'm learning how to pivot. I'm learning how to shift. So for me, I'm like, I, I want to be a good father, a good dad. My son, Caleb, hugged me today. And it, it was like a major breakthrough because I've tried the homeschooling thing when I was a free agent in Buffalo. And I was about to go crazy. Like I was pulling my hair out. And so like now I'm here, I'm like, okay, God, give me some patience and some peace. And like I'm learning how, how and when to step away and like kudos to every single teacher out there. But there was, an opera, there was a time we were trying to do some reading and some writing and stuff. And I just was like, Sam, just breathe, just breathe, right? He's, he's going to get it. And um, I just gave him a hug and, and he looked at me and said, you're a good daddy. And I think about Sam, the things you say of like, who do you want to be? I want to be a good daddy. I want to be a good husband. I want to be a good friend, checking in on people. Like, I mean, I was on. There's a there's a nonprofit in Chicago that I, I worked a ton with. Uh, I spoke. I was supposed to speak at, speak at their event in April. Got pushed back till June. And every day, every morning from 9 a.m. to 10 a.m. Chicago time, they do a prayer call. And so I actually called him. I said, Hey, can I be involved in that? Like, I want to encourage the the the, the crew. Right, I'm reaching out to different people in different areas saying, hey, how can I be an encouragement to you? How can I help be a light or be a guide uh, for people during a time like this? Who do you want to be? But before you can answer who you want to be, you got to remember like, who, who, who are you like standing on? That song that says, on Christ the solid rock I stand. When, thing, when everything goes away, I think about college. Uh, Sam was getting on me earlier because I'm wearing my Texas Longhorns uh, <laughs> shirt, hook'em horns. Uh, I think about college, playing in the national championship, 2009, we're 13-0, we're playing Alabama. They got Mark Ingram and Trent Richardson and 
Greg McElroy and Julio Jones, all these guys. And I don't know if Julio might have been a freshman. But anyways, uh, and, and, and Colt McCoy, our star quarterback, gets hurt. And he messes up a nerve in his shoulder. He has no feeling in his arm. At halftime, he's, we're looking at him like, bro, we need you. He says, guys, I would love to be out there with you, but I can't feel my hand. This is a guy who had been like 45 and three his entire college career. 45 and three, supposed to be a top pick. And all of a sudden, senior year, national championship game, he has no feeling in his arm. And at the end of the game, so everything's taken away. And at the end of the game, he does an interview and he says, on Christ the solid rock I stand. And so I think about now where we're at where, where tomorrow is not promised. And I think we all see that. Um, there's a lot of fear and anxiety and doubt and even anger that's, that's bubbling up. And for me, to answer your question, Sam, like I want to be a good dad. I want to be a good husband. I want to be a good friend. I want to be a, a good steward of the gifts that God has given me. And so I think the only way to do that is to understand that there is a, I don't want to call it an enemy, but an opponent, call this virus an opponent, and you have to have a game plan. And Sam, you touched on it. Okay, these are the things that I need. You talked about time alone. You talked about music. You talked about writing. Steve, you talked about it as well. These, this is what I, I need to go on a hike. I need, I need, I need, my wife needs to be serving people. I need to be serving people. I think everyone who's listening me included, needs to say, hey, how can I pivot during this time? I, it may be a week. It may be a month. It may be even longer than that. But I want to be fill in the blank. I want to be that at the end of this. And the only way I do that is by making some kind of shift or change or pivot into who I'm going to be and understanding who I am and who I stand on. So for me, like literally, as I was struggling trying to teach my son Months ago, it was like this anger and like, come on, you can, come on. Like, not even like a, hey, you got us. Like, dude, come on. Like, you're not an idiot, you know? But now it's like, now it's like, all right, Lord, like, I need you. And I, I was reminded, you know what? Like, so often Jesus would retreat to pray. Like, after he did a miracle, like, after he fed the 5,000, what did he do? He went by himself to pray. After many miracles, he would go and he would just go and pray by himself. And I think about like, after like, whether, whether they're mountaintop experiences or valley experiences, the things that sometimes for me at least, and I think everybody, we need to sometimes retreat to pray. It's there's pressure, Sam, of like, I gotta be a good dad, a good dad or a good mom, or I gotta be a good teacher to my kids. There's this pressure and it's we're not used to it. And sometimes understanding, like, regardless of how good we think we are, it's like our kids look at us and say, Hey, you are a good dad, or you are a good mom, or you are our, our spouses say, We are, you are a good husband or wife. Like we are, we are already that. We don't have to try so hard to be anything else. And you know what, Steve, you talked on earlier. We can't. There's nowhere to go. There's no work to go to to, to validate yourself. There's yeah. no friends to say, hey, look out, look at all the things I do. There's nothing. And so why not take the opportunity to rest? Yeah. To rest, to rest in the fact that, hey, we are loved, we are known. Take away, yeah, I gotta be six feet away from you, but I still love you. You know what I mean? I'm going to give you, and Sam, from here on out, Sam, we're getting fist bumps. No more, no more hot fives, handshakes, or hugs. Touch no, but me I'm at serious. All. It's like, I'm serious. Like, but, but, but for real, like, how, how do we love people well? How do you love people well? How do you love yourself well? I touched on it just thinking about it. It's like, dude, like Adam and Eve. Adam and Eve, like, God made Adam, and his whole job was to tend to the garden, right? Take care, like, like name the animals, tend to the garden, and worship me, right? Eve, come do the same. And so think about it. Now all we have is our garden. There's no distraction. There's no work. There's no bars. There's no workout. There's nothing. 
So why not do what Sam's doing and what Steve's doing? What I'm trying to do, let's tend to our gardens. Let's, let's, let's almost go back to the things that we love to do, the things that we almost like would repress because we were so busy. I think there's just a great opportunity for everybody to um, tend to your garden. Acho, I love that. I mean, I think we could have got the organ playing because you just preached a sermon right there. I love that. And, uh, but, I, but Ponder, when I think about your question, um, who do I want to be at the end of this? Um, I think, honestly, I just want to learn how to be present. Um, I think I'm really, really good at living in the past um, and, and not necessarily like former, um, like that we talked about in previous episodes, but more in the, um, I feel like the shame of my past sometimes pulls me back there and I, I leave the present or my worry for tomorrow. And I love that verse you quoted, Acho, because I think so often I can just get caught up in, okay, what's tomorrow? Like, what's the next six months? And um, I should probably say yes to this job because I don't know what's going to come. And, and I miss out on, like, what this moment offers. And literally, like, the only thing that any of us control is right now, is this present moment right now, how we choose to respond. I do not control the, the future. I don't control the past because the past already happened. And, and, you, and you think about it, like with, with David, like, um, you know, and, and Joshua, they were faithful and present and they owned the moments and they didn't know that those moments were preparing them for what God had in store for them. And I, I just, I don't want to miss moments with my kids anymore. I don't want to miss moments like uh, to say thanks to my, to my wife. I, I, I don't want to miss just these moments of being in God's creation. And one of the greatest things about being in the desert here in Arizona is the sunsets. I mean, the sky just gets pink and, and blue. and I mean, it is, it's so beautiful. And even just at night, just walking out there and just taking God's creation in, I feel like I'm learning how to be present in my own body, present to the moment, and truly, if I'm really, really honest, present to God's presence. And that is, that's what I hope. So that when all the crazy and the good and the beauty and, you know, college football and the NFL and, and basketball, all of that returns, I, I hope that I can sit and enjoy it, but still present to the moment that I'm in. Yeah, and I want to be okay if, even if it doesn't. You know, I want to yeah. be one of those even if he doesn't kind of people that like I've built up this whole thing. And and I was thinking about the other day, I'm like, this is all I've ever done. I literally know nothing else. <laughs> so let me just put all my cards on the table right there. Like I've worked in this industry since I was 18. It's what I wanted to do since I was in third grade. Everything in my life is has in one way or another kind of connected to this. And seeing so quickly how this all could be taken away, I, I am choosing, and this isn't this doesn't come naturally. This is this is very much a, a choice um, to just see God's mercy in it. Um, I, I had to do that, you know, when when we almost lost our our youngest daughter and she was in the hospital when she was a few days old. I just remember thinking in the moment, like, this is so terrible. This is so like this is a nightmare. This is a nightmare. And what I didn't realize in in the moment, um, and and she did end up coming through and being okay. But what I I realized 
afterwards, and it took a few weeks for me to see this, was I suddenly was able to connect with people who had been through hardship and struggle in a way that I never would have before. I had a seizure last year, which is just the most humbling of all experiences in so many ways, because you literally lose control of your entire body and are embarrassed in front of all these people, and it happened on a plane, and afterwards, I was able to connect with people. Like, it, it humbled me so deeply, like, to the core that I was able to connect with people more from that. And what I'm hoping from this experience is this stripping away of all the distraction and all the external stuff, somehow I can see God's mercy in it where he's giving me a preview of what, I mean, I hate to sound morbid, but what is inevitably coming to all of us at the end of our lives? Like at the end of your life, it's not like, you know, hanging around a bunch of people and trophies and all that, like that doesn't, I'm not saying those things don't have value, but like at the end of the day, it's just you and God. And, and it's scary sometimes when you think about it. I mean, I, I, I get that feeling when it's just me, my kids, my husband and God, I can't imagine when it, literally everything is stripped away. And I think a lot of single people are experiencing that right now where you are actually alone. And when I read stories of people like David in the Bible and, and people who were literally alone with God and still trusted him and still believed that he was good and still had hope, um, I'm so encouraged by that. And I, I want to see this as an opportunity to like grow those muscles. That is so beautiful. I mean, th there was a book that came out recently. It was called Upside and really talking about the upside that comes from post-traumatic stress. I mean, oftentimes we see it as like such a, uh, the weight of something that just shocks our system that, you know, makes us kind of fragile and freeze up. And yet this, this writer was talking about the upside that comes uh, from traumatic experiences. And, and you just touched on that. The connection that I, pro that I imagine um, and the empathy that was kind of birthed within you or was always there, but now just kind of just expanded um, when you started to hear of another parent who is going through a scary situation with their child or uh, someone who had a seizure. You know, it just it, it again helps us recognize, man, we literally are all in this together. Like uh, if we make it, I make it. And, and then at the same time, I love what you said is, but there's also something deeply, deeply personal in the sense of it really is, yes, this communal thing, but individually, like, where do we stand and what do we stand on when it comes to our relationship with God? And, you know, um, I'm not taking my, you know, semifinals high school, you know, kind of banner to to heaven. Oh, but I'm he's not, letting not, us know he has one. Yeah, that's right. Yes. That's, right that's right. You know. Former. You know, uh, yeah, former. You got the national championship game with Colt McCoy. I got um nothing like that. But like you 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 have this moment where you just sit there and you just go, yeah, when it is when everything's taken, am I okay? And um you know and those we push all those thoughts away. We do whatever we can to distract ourselves from those thoughts. And, and isn't God so kind in these moments like this that all things can work out for good? 
And sometimes that good is we are confronted with the reality that we are fragile human beings and that death is undefeated besides Christ. And, and, and we're all going to face it. And so I think like that part in me just humbles me and really wakes me up in a lot of ways. So, man, I just, I, just some of the things that you're saying, uh, both of you just, man, it's just like speaking to me. So thank you. There's a song uh, called I, I Need You to Survive. And I think about Sing it. it. I was going to say, go right Come ahead. On. We know Stand those Ocho pipes. <laughs> Believe in me. You're all a part Never mind. Of Don't God's sing. Body. Call Emmanuel. <laughs> it, too late. Too late. It is his will that every need be supplied. You are important to me. I need you to survive. So you get the point. Anyways, we can, we can, oh. <laughs> oh, we get it. No, but seriously, like, we need each other to survive. And I think about like the guy who I've been training with. Now we're going to go to online training because we can't be in person anymore. And he's like, hey, man, this is really tough for my business. I know this may not be ideal for you, but I need you. Like, I need you. And I can, I, he's like, when we're on the other side, I can take care of you on the other side, but I need you. And this guy for his neighbors, he's got this guy, he's got uh, three of his neighbors are widows and they need him. And I think about all these people in these different areas that need us, like what it like. I think it's time for us to band together and help each other survive through this. Thanks so much for tuning in to the Home Team Podcast. I know that this topic probably hits all of us in a different way. For some of us, there's just a sense of delayed grief. For some of us, we just feel stirred up. For some of us, we feel a sense of anxiety over just the uncertainty of tomorrow. And if there's any ways that um, I personally can serve you, uh, feel free to reach out at Steve Ryan Carter on Twitter, Instagram, or, or feel free, you can reach out um, to, to us uh, on Twitter at the Home Team Pod um, or on Instagram at Home Team underscore pod. But more than anything, uh, we're just grateful that you're tuning in. Thanks for subscribing and whether listening on Spotify or SoundCloud or iTunes or Stitcher, uh, we're, we're, we're grateful. And if you can give us a review, that'd even mean more. Uh, and, and subscribe, that just mean the world. So um, again, if there's any ways that we can serve you, uh, please let us know. I hope you have a great rest of your week. Grace and peace. See you next week. Thank you.